This episode is brought to you by the new Star series, The Girlfriend Experience, a seductive look inside a world where intimacy comes at a very high cost. Binge the entire season beginning April 10th, only on Stars. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to Sex Lives, the New York Magazine sex podcast. I'm David Wallace-Wells, and with me today, as always, is New York Magazine sex columnist Maureen O'Connor. Hey, Maureen. Hey, David. And also in the studio with us today is one of our favorite semi-recurring guests, Rich Joswiak from Gawker. Welcome. Thank you. we got a great show for you today, but first we're going to remind you about the Sex Lives voicemail box. Call us anytime at 646-494-3590. This week, we actually had a listener call in with a question, which may be the ideal form of this kind of thing. We're going to play that for you in a little bit. But first, breakups. Uh, Maureen, you wrote a great piece for The Cut this week, um, which arose out of a visit to Ikea, which you felt was sort of... Well, maybe you should just explain what it was about. Sure. Yeah, so the article ended up... um, The title was, Why Don't We Have Gift Registries for Breakups? Which I thought of because um, my friend Holly, or Holly is her pretend name she'd be mortified if i used her real name i think (laughs) but um she had been living with her boyfriend for years and it was like around the time of deciding like are they going to get married or not which was the beginning of a fight and that fight escalated into them breaking up and so you know on like a saturday i went with her to ikea and i'm like pushing the little like thing around thinking about like how fucking weird is it that if they'd actually gone through and gotten married I would be buying all this shit for her and it'd be nicer shit too. And like she'd be doing the exact same process of like looking through tea towels and plates and choosing the ones she thought were best. But then she'd be making a list and all of her friends would be buying them for her. And she'd be squeezing them into her already full apartment that she lived in with this dude who like all of us hate anyways. Like instead, she's actually taking a financial hit. She has to move into a one bedroom apartment by herself. She's going to be paying all the rent by herself. Um, She has to pay for movers. She has to buy new shit. She doesn't have silverware anymore. And all of a sudden, I was like, this is such a weird injustice. Um, and so but you didn't started... pick up the tab, right? No, I did not right. pick up the tab. I will tell you that. Um... You like bought her two hot dogs and like a cinnamon. <laughs> right. yeah. I didn't even buy Some her a Swedish meatball, I have to say. <laughs> by the, well, that was the plan. And then by the end, like, it's a thing where you're like jumping out of your skin and you just like need to run f- crying from Ikea at right. the end. Right. Before we get to like breakup registry, though, it's like the wedding registry is pretty weird in itself. Like, I guess it used to be that like people getting married really needed a ton of help. But these days, like, yeah. since people are getting married older when they do get married, it just feels like these are not people who need gifts. It is strange, especially because I have not been to a wedding where the couple didn't cohabitate like ever, I think. Yeah. You mean hadn't cohabitated before? before. Yeah. yeah, before they married. Right. Um, and I think only maybe one case that there was like a move coming up kind of imminently. So it's always kind of like, do they just get rid of all the stuff they already had? Do you have a registry at your wedding, David? No. I mean, I didn't I didn't have a wedding. Oh, you didn't? Yeah. I didn't even know that. We just got married at City Hall. Oh. Hmm. I, yeah. I mean, because the question, you know, is like, you don't want to impose your whims on other people. Yeah. You know, I think that's probably the reason. That's the answer. That, that's, that's a pragmatic answer that you actually yeah. discuss in the piece. Mm-hmm. But wedding gift registries are a total imposition. And it really does just completely iron out the magic of gift giving and receiving <laughs> when it's like a checklist. Totally. And I never feel like I'm doing anything but donating money to a person when I buy something off their registry. It's like, this isn't a surprise. You know what you're going to get. If all works out well, you'll get everything that you wanted. Um, and yet it's like a little weirder when you get those registries that are actually just money. That like right. give $50 to our honeymoon or whatever. Right. And you're like, That's a it's such a strange weird. fluke about just like, 
like our culture, like the culture of gift giving and the yeah. culture of money. That was one of the, um, I interviewed some people with regist- that ran like online registry companies. And um, one of them, the PR woman for this company called Zola, that's sort of a newish one, um, was like, well, it's all about like entering the culture of gift giving and teaching people of like the methods of gifts and how to give gifts. And I was like, that is really interesting that once you hit a certain age in your life and all of a sudden you're going to millions of weddings that like yeah, there is like a whole like culture of it that you sort of have to like learn. Yes. And because we know that there is that culture along with that comes what is effectively self-entitlement. Which is like, yeah. you will be buying me presents. <laughs> so let me make this easy for both of us. Here's I mean, a list. So if you were building like a registry for a breakup, what would be like the top items? What would be the most important things to put on a registry? Well, with Holly, the thing was that like she just literally was counting her pennies in such a way that was like she needed a group of people to help her buy a sofa, you know, or like. Yeah. As one person I interviewed said, he's like, it is really weird that we only ever really reward people who are already, quote unquote, doing well. Right. Right. Like we're going to help those people. But when something's wrong, there's sort of this like fend for yourself feeling. Um, What we sort of ended up with was while we were at Ikea, Holly picked up these margarita glasses and she's like, maybe I should buy these. And I was like, yeah, like you can have a margarita party now. And she's like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to do that. So, in fact, last night was actually Holly's margarita party. Um, in which we like sat on her new furniture and drank out of her margaritas. And I was like, what if we get everyone to bring you, like instead of bringing in a bowl of guacamole, I can just bring a bowl. And she's like, that's utterly humiliating. Please don't tell my friends to do that. So I brought a salad bowl for her because she needed it. Um, no one else did it. I really thought more people were going to like read the article and do it. And in fact, I was like, so you're going to bring her a gift, right? And they're like, yeah, totally, Maureen. Nobody did it. It was totally fine. But like say, I don't know. I think just the consciousness of how expensive breakups are. Yeah. I had one guy who had broken up. He'd been living with his girlfriend for six years. And I actually got him to quantify how expensive it was. And he added up sort of all the costs of... First of all, he was he left this, like, astonishingly cheap, like, rent hadn't been raised for the entire, like, six years as long as they'd been there, floor through and park slope. Like, that alone was so crushing to me that I was like, can you believe you left that apartment? And he's like, I know it hurts. So, like, his rent was going up. Yeah, this, the, like, the business side of this is especially cruel in new york with the real estate yeah. market like, it's always going up and up it's like you you step out for one year and you're like so far behind yeah. yeah so like the move itself between he did relatively cheap moving fee like he you know like rented his own car and stuff like that um and they had to get some new furnishings he needed a new bed that kind of stuff so he ended up spending about four thousand dollars on the move and such when you add the change in his rent he's going to spend ten thousand dollars in his first year single just on that and that's not even counting the fact that he's going to be like going to bars trying to meet new people and like spending a lot of money. Perhaps dating. And it just seems so horrible to me. Yeah. The craziest or like maybe worst, most depressing part is that like he probably was thinking about that a little bit like in thinking about breaking up with her. He pointed it was out on his mind, you know, he pointed out that he's like some of the fights about stuff where like he's like, I was just literally deciding which fights are worth it. Like, am I going to fight this person to like, no, I bought that thing. I need to keep it or no, you need to pay for the hat. You, you know, like, you need to pay if you're going to keep that thing. And he's like, you're just literally deciding what fights are worth it to you. Yeah. And uh, like what uh, in my well, first of all, it's no coincidence that when I left my boyfriend of about 10 years, it was mm-hmm. when I'd received my book advance. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, like. You know, that relationship was headed for the end years before it actually ended. Uh, It was just not financially possible for me to leave. So you make the best of it and 
you know, there are certain other things about it that were gratifying mm-hmm. um, while there were plenty of things that were not. But also like the bed that we bought together, he yeah. decided that we didn't buy that bed together and there was no receipt. Um, yeah. Nobody kept a receipt. You know, yeah. like it's 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 like a prenup in a certain way. Totally. Like every step that you buy something with somebody that you're living with for 10 years, it's like I'm not going to I'm not it's not going to be tit for tat because if this should end, we'll be very civil toward each other. And split things equally. And of course, that didn't happen. And I left with virtually nothing. <laughs> but even sometimes when it is civil, it still sucks to like, right. you know. Yeah. I mean, were you were you the one who left him? Yes. It's interesting because when I also talk to people, there's almost this like guilt tax that a lot of people pay, I think. Yeah. Of like, say like that guy who was like, I was deciding what it was worth to me. And he's like, I felt guilty and I didn't want to fight her too hard about things like that. Um, in the case of Holly, she actually basically like dumped and like <laughs> right. everything was just like shitty on top of shitty on top of shitty. And she didn't even get the apartment that they were living in? No, I keep on telling her that she needs to send a Venmo request of like $10,000. <laughs> so like, this feels right, right? <laughs> it's interesting to like, yeah, come up with that figure. And then just like... Exactly. Like this is how much it's going to be. Right. There was actually this British company called Aviva. It's an insurance company um, that calculated the average hidden costs of divorces, actually. And it's interesting because divorce prices, as it turned out, like the average divorce in America, the price is really similar to weddings in that the average wedding in America is around like $25,000. The average divorce is too. Similarly, the distribution, the vast majority of people will spend more like maybe $5,000. That's also the case with divorces um like the sort of amount of money you spend is actually very comparable it's almost as though it's just sort of how much life change costs right like you can have the five thousand dollar car or the twenty five thousand dollar car you can have the five thousand dollar divorce or the twenty five thousand dollar divorce did this study count like uh getting a new apartment and new furniture or was it yeah. just like the divorce proceedings so th- well so those are those are the just um like proceedings in in the u.s uh-huh. um in terms of that twenty five thousand dollar figure so then this company aviva this british company calculated the prices of they asked couples did you go on a vacation after your divorce did you uh one in seven went on a post-divorce occasion the average cost of that was around $2,000. Let's see, one in 10 took up a new hobby. The average cost of that was $2,100. And I converted what, it to What, the what US. kind of hobby I mean, is that? I have no idea. I mean, like hookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You like join a spin class or something? Would you call spin a hobby? I feel like that's, I don't know. Is exercise a hobby? Well, like, I don't know. You take up, like, you like go to a like ceramics class and now you. Yeah. I say this because, like, when I think of the, like the sort of like weird pick me ups of like sad single girls in my life that were like why don't we let's go to that like ceramics class we've heard about that'll be really fun and it like never is yeah some people really like ceramics start with a hobby i have enough to keep me busy yeah totally i have movies to watch (laughs) you know i don't need a hobby i have my my life is what's your hobbies i think i coherently i decided oh no these are getting like embarrassing i coherently (laughs) decided i ought to have a hobby so then i took a class to learn how to weave on a loom and i own a loom now that's cool wow and i've made one table runner so far that's pretty good is it good do you like oh it's shitty oh Keep practicing. It. It's and a then hobby. I was like, I should give this to someone. And it was like that thing of when you make like crappy crap and you give it to your mom for Christmas. As I was preparing to wrap it for Christmas, and then I was like, what the fuck am I doing in my life? So then I abandoned my hobby, is what the end of the story is. Well, but I do coherently take up hobbies and then abandon them. With, like, I hope it was worth it. Yeah. With, like the same purposefulness that I take up like relationships and end yeah. them. <laughs> anyway, so they calculated that the average hidden costs. Um, of your solo life were around $10,000. And that includes like your move, your, you know, your new hobbies, your new clothes, all that stuff. A new lease on life costs money. Yes, it does. 
Before we move on, a quick word from our sponsor. Support for Sex Lives comes from the star series The Girlfriend Experience, a new drama from executive producer Steven Soderbergh. Riley Keough stars as Christine Reed, a second-year law student who is introduced to the seductive world of transactional relationships, providing emotional and sexual intimacy at a very high price. Juggling two different lives, Christine quickly finds herself attracted to the rush of control and power, but then realizes that everything comes at a cost. Binge the entire season, beginning April 10th, only on Stars. But let's get back to what we were talking about. You were talking about before with the guilt tax, like how people respond as they exit a relationship, like who takes it harder. Yeah. Is it, is it always harder being dumped than to dump? Yeah, the worst thing was that my ex didn't have much of a family connection. I mean, his mm-hmm. parents are alive, um, but his family just wasn't that tight. And we always went to my place mm-hmm. for every single holiday and his my family was his family yeah and knowing that that was going to be severed now um really that's what made me the most upset that's what made me feel the absolute worst it's interesting because that sort of family thing it dovetails with this other weird negotiation that's like less quantifiable in money but like who sort of keeps quote unquote the friends the sort oh, of yeah. the life you built together. Totally. You know, like you keep going to your favorite restaurant or you guys have to find new places. Right. And then I know, Rich, I absolutely love the series you wrote about losing your internet famous cat in yeah. this breakup. Right. Which is one of those like crazy sort of emotional, I don't know. That was the worst because, so Winston died last yeah. year and I- That's your cat. That was my cat. <laughs> yeah. Winston was, was my cat that I shared with him. And he died, and I got that email, and I didn't really say. He wrote you an back. email. To he tell wrote me you. an email to tell me that Winston died, and my first... Winston bananas to those who have followed him on the internet. Yeah, like, that was like his Twitter handle. Winston. Yeah. Yes. And so initially, my response was like, "Well, now you know how I feel because that cat has been alive for the past uh, three years, and I had to consider him dead. That was awful because, like, it's one thing to have the finality of death and to to deal with that, but to understand that these animals are alive and then I have to uh, just accept the fact that I never get to see them again was the worst thing." Mm-hmm. Well, so, also that he's like using them to like strike a blow against you it felt it felt like that it really felt like any sort of power that could be wielded was um which was just like uh, on one hand like i i I get that people do that on the other hand like come on like really just that heartless you know that cruel um and that's what was so galling that there were people who very clearly sided with him in this if if you're going to pick a side, why are you siding with the guy that's doing that fucked up shit? Well, I, you know, I guess it's sort of like you just it's because I feel like the natural position is to be with with one person on some issues and the other person on the other. Yeah, issues exactly. Like, but I guess you sort of just have to in the end pick a side and then just be all in on that side. It's I, sort of like politics that way. I guess so. I, I mean, usually the person who loses the friends is the one who chose to leave because there's this weird thing where like it's almost yeah. like some like there's this almost conservative instinct i think and like that you're like we have this stable set of friends especially couple friends right and then it's like well the couple was disrupted and like sort of your couple friends have a vested interest in you being a couple to some degree yes i mean unless like there's a really obvious reason that there was like a true villain in the breakup yeah i think a lot of people just tend to think of like someone who leaves as a betrayer even if what they were doing was not really a betrayal so much as yeah you know, or there could be a million different reasons to leave, but yeah. betrayal is only one of them. You know? Right. It's crazy that we look at a breakup and we see it as. So when I was also working on this like registries thing, the number of people that were like, "Well, you could never ever do that because it's not your friend's job to clean up your messes," and you're like, "Why is a breakup inherently a mess? Like, why if I 
Also, it is a, a friend's job. Like that's one of the things friends do is <laughs> yeah. like clean up your messes right. for yeah. you. Yeah, right. but just the idea that like you've you've a had some kind of moral failure anytime that you become single is ridiculous. The idea that somebody who causes instigate there has to be a villain in a breakup that like one person did something wrong or bad or yeah, both. I, I think that my side was seen as frivolous. If I could like um, I don't know project or, or mm-hmm. hypothesize that like I. Because it was just like I wanted to be single and gay in New York, and I hadn't been. And I guess people saw that as um, like selfish. Yeah, we'll just tie to some like sort of false assumption that being in a monogamous relationship or a relationship that looks monogamous on the outside, at least being like a coupled dyad. Is somehow moral or more right. moral right. than which is absurd. Yeah, which is absurd, and also it's like you know you want to sit in on our life and discussions and sex because maybe if you did then you'd understand my side more yeah. you know mm-hmm. i mean like come on like what what are you, you you have to understand that you're not seeing certain things you know obviously by design and that like give me a little fucking credit <laughs> but anyway <laughs> well, that's all that's all but that's all to say that yeah. i received this email mm-hmm. and was like well now you know how i felt and then i felt really bad because i knew the, whatever now the cat's dead so and that just must have caused him to go through such pain you know i could just i could i just i knew that he was hurting and so we ended up meeting for and hanging out for the first time since we had broken up and i just i didn't find it hard it was just actually a very lovely dinner that we had we went out for drinks after yeah it, it was it was great uh you know if somebody's in pain you forgive them. You know, what was I going to do? Be resentful? My feelings aren't going to bring the cat back to life. Um, I think it sucks what he did, but I also think it's amazing that he took care of the cat. You yeah. know, he he did. He did. And it was, the, the cat had health problems too. So it's not like he was just entirely selfish in mm-hmm. what I think was a selfish decision. Um, there was sharing and love there too. And as somebody who loved him, I couldn't help but have compassion for him. Would there have been a way to set it up so like the whole thing could have been cleaner from the outset? Like if you had made some custody agreement or whatever that was like, yeah, I, I mean, I tried. Two, yeah. It didn't seem like any sort of way that I could be like shuttling these cats back and forth. Right. Yeah. Between various parts of Williamsburg. Um, I just, but there was, there was just so clearly no openness to any sort of logistical arrangement. Um, so I suffered. It was it's, the worst. I had a picture. I have a picture of my cat, my other cat, Rudy, in a sweatshirt in this frame made of clay that has dinosaurs on it. I would look at it and cry like every morning at this cat. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's really interesting. I interviewed um, this Queens College psychologist named Claudia Brungbog um, when I wrote about rebound relationships and like rebound, mm. just methods of rebounding. It's actually about the day of a virtual rebound when you just like text a huge amount or go on a Tinder rampage. You don't necessarily even have sex. Um, but do you have sex ever? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't mean, I don't mean like, like in this, in this process. Oh, That's you what, can. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. thought, I thought you were making a joke about no, no, me no. like yeah, being yeah, a yeah, But like, do you, are you fuck Maureen? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not um, at all. No, I mean, I mean, in this in this scenario, because I, because I, yeah, okay. But um, I what I realized the in that sort of scenario, the reason it came up was because I realized that I'd gone through like this complete, just like almost pretend sexting relationship with somebody before I was ready to like actually go out on a real date mm-hmm. and actually have sex. Yeah. But it somehow helped me get there. But what Claudia pointed out was that her research and other people's research has really suggested that rebounds just sort of categorically speed up the feeling of being better and like yeah. it like it feels 
fill some kind of hole unless you move on. You stop Literally. associating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like for a while that you just associate sex with this person. It's like almost like just like getting it out of your system a right. little bit or like love is about this person, which it doesn't have to be. She also pointed out that um, just merely knowing, just being told somebody likes you makes people get over their breakups even faster. Yeah, that's totally right. Yeah, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But like it's like people could, if they do these tests, you know, they call them like the manipulation sociology test or whatever, that like people can be completely manipulated or just sitting down and being like, can you think of anybody you would want to date? And just being forced to do that makes you get over your breakup faster. Yeah. And But the thing that was interesting regarding the sort of guilt about dumping or being dumped is that that sort of rebound getting over process was exactly the same for whether you were dumped or dumping. The sort of feelings of being lonely and unwanted were sort of universal and the way you sort of get over it too. So do you think it's like sort of misleading the way that we so often think about breakups in those terms that like we shouldn't really think about someone leaving and someone being left behind? Yeah, I think so. I'm Well, I don't know. There are situations and that's the case. But I think assuming that the person who was dumped or the person who it wasn't their decision to break up, that that person is somehow like a loser yeah. is not necessarily accurate. I mean, something bad did happen to them. and so, But that doesn't mean that they're like cursed. Or right. that something bad, did, just as bad, didn't happen to the other person in leaving their relationship. Yes, yeah. exactly. Because both people are still starting their lives over no matter what. The thing I would say about the virtual rebounding, though, is that you're kind of investing in a false god in a way because, I mean, I've relied on Grindr mm-hmm. to reaffirm my uh, desirability. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you're talking about a few pictures. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't yeah. let your head inflate that much. No. As a result of this sort of like very curated Mm -hmm. persona that you're putting out there. That's true. But I think there's something about just the process of looking and saying there are so many people in the world. Yeah. There are people I didn't even know existed. Yeah. As opposed to like I lost the one and only. Right. Being reminded that there's a whole world out there is helpful, I think. Yeah. Also, just like all I got to do is put out a couple pictures and and then like people are going to be wanting to... Fuck me. They may not right, fall yeah. in love with me. They may never share a cat with me. <laughs> but hey. <laughs> I just, at this point, I'm, uh, yeah. you know, I'm so cynical about yeah. that uh-huh. sort of thing that it's just like, that has stopped being a thrill. That was the yeah. only thrill that I wanted to experience. That was yeah. like the main thing. And now you've thing. done it. And now I've done it. And like, I worry about the addiction to uh-huh. hookup apps. Um, I worry about using them to dissociate, for me at least. I think yeah. it's very, I think it's very, it can be very practical to say, I want to get laid. I'm going to go on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are leisurely going on it throughout the day when you're not trying to have sex and you're just checking it, you know, for the dopamine spike that yeah. any affirmation gives you, that any positive feedback gives you, uh, then it starts to be, at least in my experience, a problem. I wouldn't try to dissuade anybody yeah. from doing it. I do think that, you know, in, I've poked around and it doesn't seem like anybody has studied the addictive quality of grinder in itself when we talk about bad addiction we yeah. talk about internet addiction we talk about sex addiction but there is a specific uh, grinder is its own drug you know hookup apps are their own drugs and that there's been a very little research in that respect it is true that you can easily get into it's like when you after particularly after i think maybe an acrimonious breakup that you get used to this relationship i mean in a good relationship that person is sort of in your head all the time and you're anticipating somebody and you're thinking about them during the breakup you're thinking a lot about this person and it's just like there's like a certain hour of the day that's spent like stressing out about it right and then when listening that goes to mariah away, carey songs crying 
Yeah. And when it goes away, you're like, well, what do you fill that void with? And like, you could fill it with like, you know, going on your post breakup vacation. Like that sort of takes up your mind or consumes your mind. $2,100 hobby. Exactly. Your $2,100 hobby. You can do it by rebounding, dating, filling, you know, that extra hour of when you would have been texting your boyfriend with texting dudes on Grindr. Right. And I do think that like, I mean, that's sort of the wisdom of the like, stay busy. Um, yes. which is like so condescending and yet <laughs> it is true that you're like you just have to like displace the hour a day you spend listening and crying yeah with, like something right but I, you know the way i feel about it is like there are so many books i need to read there are so yeah. many movies i need to see yeah. if i'm on grinder i'm not doing that maybe your hobby is reading books can't reading be a hobby i mean Wasn't there a time when just, reading that's was just a hobby? my life that's just my lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm just thinking. My hobby is thinking. Always on. My my hobby's being cool <laughs> and chilling. Well, what's the goal of a good breakup? Like are you are you trying to sort of still be friends? Or are you just trying to like spare yourself the pain of screaming at each other for like six months? Or like what's the You know, I once asked somebody, um, when I wrote about the idea of winning the breakup and I was asking somebody, what is winning? He's like, winning is when you can in earnest say like three years later, oh my God, she's getting married. I'm so happy for her. And I was like, Jesus Christ, who the, never in my life, right? <laughs> I I would prefer if every single person I break up with just like falls off the face of the planet. Like, I don't know, personally. but forgiving is a selfish act though. You know, you, you, you feel that way. That, yeah. that the goal of that isn't, so that there's world peace it's just so that you're not fucking crazy yeah you know so that's that's winning you you don't win because oh there's harmony between me and this person that's no longer in my life you win because there's harmony between you and that former life that you had you know what it's true that it is really okay not that i literally hate every single man i've ever broken up with (laughs) that would be crazy but um i don't know (laughs) but there's you know there is something great about being able to acknowledge like i really do I? There was a reason why I loved that person. Yeah, I do still carry some of that affection because that person is still he's still him. I'm still me. Yeah, and yet I can experience that affection without literally being around each other all the yeah. time. I dated a guy uh, 2013 to 2014, like seven months mm-hmm. spanning those years, and um, so it wasn't long, but it yeah. was very intense. Yeah, and then we broke up and didn't talk for a long time, and now we're friends. And, yeah, and we hang out. And he was sick recently, and I brought him Pedialyte, and um, we do things for each other. Um, I don't know it, that. I think we're totally at peace with mm-hmm. what we did and where we are. And there are so many things that I just adore about this person. And maybe the relationship was the wrong way to go about having each other in each other's lives, and we finally figured it out. That's really mature. I think that's true. Perhaps that is the, even if the uncoupling itself, regardless of how like polite it was or wasn't, this is a polite way to be an uncoupled friend. Yeah. And before we go, voicemails. Hey, guys. Um, I have a question that might be more well suited for David, and it's why do guys love it when girls swallow? Okay, thanks. I love your podcast. Bye. <laughs> suited for you, David. Well, we have, we, have we, do, we do have. Thankfully, we have another dude in the studio this week. But um, I would yeah, say I it's, can't tell you anything about girls. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's less about the swallowing and more about just um, you know actually coming in someone's mouth as opposed to outside of someone's mouth. That, because like, there's no interruption. Yeah. 
It's like, do you accept me so completely that you will swallow my cum? You know? But at this stage, like in 2016, I feel like that's not such deep acceptance. That's like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Rich? Do you prefer, I mean, do you think there's like a, a sort of fetishization of swallowing in particular? Yes. Well, I think there's a fetishization of cum well, in yeah. particular. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like, I don't, I mean, it's not like, a, I feel like this question is loaded with like, well, why should I have to do this? Or yeah. guys like this so much. But like uh, guys who like sucking dick generally like swallowing cum as well. Yeah. They, in fact, they pretty much insist on it. That's <laughs> their reward. I think so. the same logic applies with like with, you know, straight man and straight girl, which is like the way mm-hmm. our culture works. We think that it means that they're more into it than if they don't want to swallow. I will say spitting is just gross because you have to like hold it in your mouth for and a then, minute. And then like run to the bathroom. And then well, also like, you don't get it all out. You know, like, right. where? I do right. have to say there was the day that I was like, if I can like drink a shot of alcohol, I can fucking swallow cum. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then as soon as you do that, you're just like, just turn it off. But I remember talking <laughs> to, just like turn off your brain, just fucking swallow. But, um, a friend of mine was mentioned that she's like, I always be like, oh, come all over me, baby. Because she's like, because I don't want to fucking get it in my mouth. And like, it's about like coding it in a sexy way, yeah, totally. right? In the same way that like swallow is, in your mind at least, coded for let me come in your mouth. It's not literally the swallowing in your mind at least. In the same way that like sometimes you sort of sexualize the thing that you want to happen. But like why you want it might just be like, I don't want it on my mouth and I don't want it on my bed sheets. Do it on my tits. On that note. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That's it for Sex Lives, uh, which is produced by Sam Dingman. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thanks also to Rich Jezwiak for coming by this week. See you guys uh, next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.